Ladies and gentlemen, this is El Cochino, Tom Lawler, and I'd like to welcome you to the podcast that puts the lotion on its own skin, Lucha World. Bitchin'. Welcome, everyone, to Lucha World Podcast, episode number 135. Fredo Esparza here, and this week we are going to talk about Triple Mania 30th, Chapter 2 out of Tijuana, Baja California. This show happened on June 18th, 2022. I thought this show was um, was actually really good, far better than the one in Monterey from the previous, um, from a couple of months prior to this. Um, this was a little bit better it kind of seemed like it was a little bit better planned out to be fair. Also, it kind of, they, they were able to cut down the, the ruleta matches now that they only had the semifinals were a lot stronger. Uh, although I, I would even say the, the first round wasn't as bad as I think people expected. The ones that you kind of knew were going to be bad kind of were what you expected, but the ones that um you weren't really sure about ended up being a lot better than one would have hoped for. And in this, um the semifinals, I thought they were both um, really good matches uh, and uh, it really has turned this, um, the Ruleta de la Muerte, which initially we kind of all pointed out all the old guys involved in it. Um, it actually did end up living up to it, to what I think AAA intended it to be, which was, you know, make a very important mask tournament mean something. And I think th- that they've been able to pull that off across what would be the three Triple Manias uh, with the final happening on on the Mexico City show in October. Um, I think they did a great job of that. Um, also, they kind of had a, a, a more, um, kind of felt a little bit more con- condensed. Like they didn't have as much thrown into the the show for whatever reason. It just ca- it just came off like they had a little bit more going on, a little bit more um, balance, a little bit more um, thought put into what was going to happen on this show, which can be very difficult because as, as anybody who actually watches the TV show would probably be a little bit more confused because they... They tend to do stuff that doesn't really um, follow what's happening on the TV show, uh, but I thought this was a better show than the the be- a better version of Triple Mania. I thought Chapter Two was better. Chapter One, I think they, this show still had the same problem that the previous one had, which was um, they didn't mic the crowd. So you see a lot of you saw a lot of people comment on that about how um, the crowd seemed dead. But I think if you ask people that were there pro- um, live. At the show, they would probably have a completely different opinion on that. They would probably tell you that the people were actually legitimately loud and cheering uh, for 
obviously who they were rooting who are they were rooting for um, but on the feed itself it just because they're they're miking they, they don't have a, a they're kind of having the the announcers be louder than the fans so you hear the announcers which sound great <laughs> like i'm sure like if you're a if you have a huge ego as an announcer you're probably really ecstatic because you guys they sound very um you could understand everything they're saying there's no um there's no misunderstanding or mishearing somebody because you know they the the crowd might be on um, uh at some point might get louder um this doesn't happen on this of course because of the mic there is no micing uh mic for the, the the audience which i think it kills it off because like you don't get the you don't get the feel that the fans are as excited as you might actually think they are because the, the matches themselves were for the most part pretty good and i say i would say this show actually um start to finish other than i think copa triple mania which i don't really ever expect much from i thought the all the majority of these matches were good trying to think if there was anything that i thought was bad no actually this was probably a show where i thought other than copa triple mania and i don't think copa triple mania was awful it was just not not that great um just an okay match but um for the mo- and even the cage match that opened the show I, I didn't think was um i think it went a little too long but it wasn't a bad match i mean it had a really strong finish uh, which we'll talk about in a bit but i would say from start to finish this was a show that featured a lot of good to great matches and um that's i mean for for what it was that's really uh it's surprising because um triple a has a habit of shooting themselves on the, in their own feet just because um they'll overbook stuff and i thought this show was very well booked very well um um i think it went a little too long i think the show probably went almost five hours it went more than four and a half hours um the feed i was watching it on went over four and a half hours but i think it might have gone at least almost five hours because at certain points they lost the, the feed at um of what was um airing and they also cut away a few times when um when there was some nonsense on the show um i would say probably was closer to 445 probably but i like i said this is a strong show if you're gonna want to watch if you only have time to watch one thing or a couple of things i would say watch the the mass matches um the ruleta de la muerte matches and the the five-way match um with that 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 had phoenix hijo de kingo loretto kid bandito and taurus i would say those are the matches you definitely want to watch and then the other stuff was actually actually I think I would even say that honestly I think this is like I said I think this is the one show where you could actually recommend every single like if you start watching everything um, after Copa Triple Mania you're really you which would be about an hour and a half in um, you should be okay the earlier stuff I mean honestly unless you really need to watch um, Copa Triple Mania and the cage match that leads to the the mass match I think that's that would be really only if you have time you should watch those uh not really necessary if you don't really if you want to cut down the on which you're on the amount you're watching because you only have a limited amount of time to watch um triple mania or the a triple a show but i thought this was a good show like i said um the show opened with the cage match which featured seven women and i should say um the seven women that in, in, were involved were chica tormenta flammer la yedra sexy star lady shani maravilla and reina dorada um, sexy star of course this being the new version of sexy star it ended up with chica tormenta and flammer being the last two in the cage which meant that they would advance to the mass match um, later on the show the order of escape were, was reina dorada sexy star lady shani followed by la yedra and maravilla um, i thought the i thought this this match went a little too long um, i think it went almost it went over 20 minutes. I think it was almost 30 minutes, but I think if they would have cut down at least 10 minutes of this match, I think it would have been so much better um, because 
middle midway through the match, I just kind of started thinking this was a little bit long and wasn't that great. And then they closed it out really strong with um, the way Maravilla and La Yedra escaped and then left um, their partner Flammer in the ring with Chica Tormenta in the cage, which um, I thought was a cool... I, I'm a little sur- surprised just because I wouldn't have expected them to end with Chica Tormenta and Flammer in the final. Um, th- but to be fair, I think other than Lady Shawnee, I think everybody else I kind of thought maybe had an odd... There was an odd chance that they would lose their mask on this show. Because there wasn't like there wasn't a, like this. There's not a female on the roster where I think, oh, she's never gonna lose her mask. Like there's no hijo de santo or mystico in that in the women's division where you think they're not, they're not gonna lose their mask. So um, it could have been anybody. And Chica Tormenta and Flammer ended up being the, the the final two, which perfectly fine. I thought that like I said, the final the closing segment of the the final couple minutes of this match were great. To be honest, I think. All the women on this uh, in this match were really good. Um, Reina Dorada mostly worked independent shows, and her coming in for this, I thought was a, uh, you know, kind of saying maybe that she would be the one that would lose her mask, but she ended up being the first one out, and she, she looked like she could be somebody that they should really bring back to the the promotion because she's very, she looks like she has some talent. The one thing I will say that all seven women on this car uh, in this match, not only did they show that they had some talent. Um, they actually have the look that I think AAA would really want to like kind of promote. Unfortunately, this is a the you know the wrestling industry. There's still a, a very much not just talent. Um, you you either have to be talent you you could be talented, be charismatic, or have the look. And um, sometimes you have one person who has all three things, and that's great. Sometimes you have some that maybe just have one thing. Um, I think the the all seven women in this match not only have looks. But have um have the 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 ability the talent, I don't know if they're as charismatic. Um, I think of all of them, I think the one that might have the most charisma is probably Maravilla, because uh, I don't think La Yedra has um, and maybe La Yedra also, but I think Maravilla probably is the one that kind of has shown it more than anybody else. Um, but they all can work and they all have um they're they're they they all have the look, and I think that's something that that definitely they they're they're going to be probably used more frequently. And um, especially Flammer. Flammer definitely has 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 a look, um, which I kind of thought maybe she was going to be that was gonna, the one that was going to lose the mask. I kind of expected somebody that was more of a regular to end up end up being in the final. Um, Chica Tormenta and Flammer have been on more frequently in the you know obviously coming in uh, more more of the newish female wrestlers on the roster, um, but they've been around a little bit. You know at least they've been here through 2022, so you kind of expected them. Um, there was a slight chance that one of them would have been in the final, um, but I think I was more surprised that they didn't go with Lady Shani or La Yedra maybe winning the the mask match. Um, but instead, they had them um, advance, you know, survive survive the cage match. Like I said, that was a good way to open. Unfortunately, they then went for like a 20, 30 minute um, break. I think this must have been like the the beginning for the whatever if they were going to be on Fight TV or whatever didn't air the cage match this was pretty much the the time they used to fill also also having been on shows where um, the promoter decided to run a cage match before a main event whenever they put up a cage match before another match that isn't in the cage you're also going to have that period where there's about a a 10-15 minute time sometimes even longer where they're put, taking down the cage, and that pretty much seemed to be what was also the main reason why there was that big break in between this match and Copa Triple Mania. 
I thought Copa Triple Mania was um, was okay. Um, I'm still not a big fan of the, tri- the the Copa Triple Manias. I'm not a big Battle Royal Royal fan. Um, very rarely do, you, unless you're going to do something where it's like a pinfall or submission type of thing, and and you allow guys to work, you know, do dives and stuff like that. It doesn't really do anything for me now. I mean, we're past the point where um, Battle Royals they were cool like back in the in the 80s and stuff like that. Even like the Royal Rumble, um, I could I still could get that can I I could still see that. And of course, Copa Triple Mania has a bit of the Royal Rumble rules, but Still, it's not just not my thing. Um, but Nino Hamburguesa beat Mamba to win Copa Triple Mania. Um, Microman won the first one. So I'm guessing maybe like they do something later on where they do the the the, the finalist of Copa Triple Mania, maybe have a match or something. I don't know. Um, but other participants in this were Ray Cholo, um, who I think people said was on Viano 3 Jr. under the mask. Mamba was also uh, obviously on it, on it. Mr. Inguana, Dulce Canela. Abismo Negro Jr., Heavy Metal, Charlie Manson, Pagano, Cibernetico, Bestia 666, The Mecha Wolf, and Vampiro. Also getting in the, involved in the match were Damien 666 and Ray Horace. Um, they kind of got involved uh, kind of to drop, pop the crowd that, you know, they're of course um, Tijuana idols, guys who have been part of the that scene for a long time. Damien 666 is basically a legend in that city. Uh, so that was kind of cool to see that. Um, really, uh, I thought this was actually a. There were moments where I thought it was pretty good, and there was moments where it just seemed like it was really boring. Um, I think the one thing that I got out of it was that they seemed to be setting up a Pagano Cibernetico um, rivalry, maybe leading up to a, a hair match. Um, why anybody w- would care about Pagano losing his hair in, in a hair match uh, when he doesn't have that much, I don't think that matters so much as the fact that Pagano versus Cibernetico would be quite the match. It'll, it could either be the, the, a horrible match, a match that's going to feature a ton of interference, and of course, Pagano using v- numerous weapons to end up taking bumps onto. Uh, we've constantly seen him go through tables and tables with fire that he sets up, uh, which leads to um, some interesting moments in the match. And I think that's something that I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that we see at the at the final Triple Mania. But like I said. Um, Nino Ambriesa wins the the Copa Triple Mania. Um, not much to this match, but you know, it kind of a good um, filler for, um, for for what's to come. Because after this match, I thought everything after this was really good. The third match on the card was Phoenix beating Hijo de Vikingo, Loretto Kid, Bandito, and Taurus to win the AAA World Cruiserweight and AAA Latin American titles. I don't know why Hijo de Vikingo was in this match when he's the AAA World Mega Champion. Um, obviously, the the main reason and the only reason I could think of why he is in this match was because he's great and they wanted to have him on the show and obviously this was the one spot where they could put him in. It would have been kind of interesting if he would have won those titles, um, which would have been, been fine. I mean, maybe make him a triple crown champion, but to be to be honest, like you don't really see a world champion going after a, a, a the the secondary title of, of of a you know you don't see um like if like in the old days when somebody like was a you know WWE world champion you didn't see him going after the intercontinental title while he's the world champion or like in the old day the NWA world heavyweight champion going after the US title you know I just kind of, that's kind of just weird maybe if they were all world titles like from two different organizations then it would make sense but um, these were within AAA and um, the only reason he was in the match was that they needed to, they wanted to have him on that obviously and they're the other reasons I think they're trying to build up a Hill Vikingo Phoenix title match at some point uh, maybe at Triple Mania 30 then Mexico City 
but I think that was the the main reason. I thought this was an excellent match. Lots of crazy dives. Um, Taurus looking like an absolute beast. I really dig that he um, uses a headbutt the way he uses it. Like since he's you know a bull, he's going to use it in in a way where it's going to be very effective. Phoenix ended up winning after a double stomp on Taurus. Um, Bandito was stretchered out after the match. Uh, which later on he mentioned he was fine. He's still out a couple of more weeks at the time of this recording. So um, he did. Uh, it was a pretty um, nasty um, bump that he took. Um, he ended up landing like he, it was really bad. It looked like he landed um, head back, like his his head twisted into the onto the mat. It looked really bad. But um, good, glad he's doing okay. One of the my favorite spots in this match was really, um, and this is why he the king goes in this match. Um, he did this really cool like. Uh, like a 630 um, into a senton back into the ring, which I thought was really cool. Um, you know, And then he did a, also like a, a 630 into a Frankenstein. It might have been a 450. I don't know. I stopped counting. All I know is he did a twist and did a, 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 a and landed as a, into a Frankensteiner, which I thought was really cool. Um, he's just very innovative, really creative. I, I think people are still waiting for him to get his visa so he becomes a regular um, wrestling outside of Mexico, um, which... He's going to become one of the most regularly used guys. Um, hopefully, he gets the same opportunities that, that Rey Mysterio Jr. did because I think he has that type of potential. He's not going to, I don't think he's going to be a guy who's um, going to be a huge draw as a single star in Mexico, but I think he, what, what's going to end up happening is going to become a, he has the potential to be like a Rey Mysterio Jr. type where, you know, he's so innovative and so creative against the right opponents. He's going to have. Um, awesome feuds you know we saw with Rey Mysterio Jr. early in his career when he had the you know with Psychosis and later Juventud Guerrera and then um, with um, when he when he came to the U.S. with Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko um, so I kind of see that happens with Hijo de Vikingo and then you know obviously Rey Mysterio then later became a world champion um, so I could see that happening with Hijo de Vikingo as well I don't know if I think the, the language barrier is going to be the one thing that they're going to hold against him um, but he should be somebody that can become a, a, a a huge star, not in the traditional sense where you're thinking um, big drawing card record attendance within Mexico. Because I think that's the big separation between Rey Mysterio Jr. as 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 a huge star in Mexico. Like if you think of him as far as greatest luchadors of all time, he's a he's a huge star everywhere, but um, he doesn't have that you know the 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 time in Mexico where he was like the big the big star the main guy he wasn't like El Santo uh, or Blue Demon or Mil Mascaras Paraguayo who had amazing runs as as um as single stars headlining in Mexico but they were um but they but what he has is that he's he 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 became such an innovator and such a big um international star that only like I mean r- rivaling Mil Mascaras I could see that happening with Ijo Vikingo as well. You know, it's it's one of those things where you know, there's like a you know there's different levels of, of superstars. You know, there's not just one clear cut way. Like there, it just because of, you know, especially nowadays where we don't really like, it's very different from seeing. Um, you know, you'll have like a the the Mystico boom. Mystico was a huge star, but then there was also not only was it Mystico that was a huge star during that time period. You had Paraguayo Jr., Doctor Wagner Jr. Um, guys who are kind of becoming big names during that time period as well. You know, somebody like Cibernetico, I mean, AAA was selling out build, um, big shows and Cibernetico and La Parca, you know, their version of La Parca was, the second version of La Parca was, were, were guys who were the main event guys 
during that time period. And, you know, nobody thinks of them as like these huge, huge stars, but they really were. I could see that. Yeah, that's what I, I think there's a big separation with that. I'm going off the off the subject from this match, but I thought this was an excellent match. All five of the guys were fantastic. Um, Bandito, it's interesting because if you look at this at, as far as star power in this match, this might be like the most star powered match within amongst diehard lucha fans. But look, it's the third match on the card, and you're looking at probably five of the maybe five of the six or seven best luchadors right now. And, you know, it's funny because you look at the guys and, you know, everybody has a different opinion of how they would rank these guys. Um, to me, like if you told me uh, rank the five guys in the match, I would put Hijo Vikingo at number one. Phoenix, to me, would be second just because I think he he's he's in a tag team with his brother. And I think sometimes that, I think that kind of hurts a lot of um, like guys who are trying to like, who could be huge single stars. I think it's going to happen with Dragon Lee also. Um, they could be huge single stars, but they're kind of being identified in a tag team and that kind of like drops them a notch. Um, but I think Phoenix could be a huge star. I would put um, Bandito third just because I think he has, of the of the guys in this match, I think he has the most charisma out of all of them. Even with the mask on, he has a lot of charisma, a great personality, um, very talented wrestler. Um, I'm surprised there's not more of a request to have him join AEW or WWE because he's such a he does have that personal personality. I would put Taurus Taurus fourth and then Loretto Kid fifth. And that's not even a knock on Loretto Kid because some people might actually put him ahead. Some people then you could totally change this the, the how you would rank these guys and then be perfect perfectly fine. Um but you know you put those five guys in a match and you know it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing and it, this was really good. Oddly enough, even though I thought this was a really good match, I don't I don't know if I would actually rank it as the best match on the show, but it would have to be up there. I think there's a you can make a case for a three way tie between uh, this and the two Ruleta matches because of how good the the Ruleta matches were. After the match, they had Taya appear, and and she talked about offering a title match to the winner of the women's mask match, and she also challenged Thunder Rosa to a match. Thunder Rosa saw the challenge while she was at an event in Los Angeles. And then um, also um, Taya mentioned that there was going to be a new faction being formed very soon that included herself and the Lucha Brothers. And I guess it would include other people. Um, but they, she basically said that for the moment, they weren't. she wasn't going to say much because this was to come later on. I don't know what the faction would be, but the fact that it already starts with Taya and Phoenix and Pentagon Jr., um, already a strong crew, Hopefully they bring in somebody who's maybe like one person that's kind of a, a newer face to the that they maybe want to elevate, um, but you know maybe one or two new faces that they want to elevate. But hope, um, sounds like an interesting um, faction, maybe something that they're going to use across the you know the the wrestling globe. You know what I mean? Like it's not just going to be in. Um, it could be in AAA. It could be in AEW, um, Impact, and other places. Um, I think that would be kind of cool. That was then followed by Conan being honored for his years in wrestling. They showed a really cool video of his career, um, including some highlights of him in, in, in Arena Mexico and WCW, which I thought was funny. Um, I think it's kind of interesting what would get, catch more, catch them more heat, airing clips of, of Conan in, in Arena Mexico or in WCW, which I'm assuming they did not get any uh, permission to do either one. And for the most part, what they ended up doing was just not kind of, they kind of covered it up a bit by not showing it too much. Um, they would 
you know, go back and forth between showing the video and showing Conan in, in the ring uh, with his reaction and some of the, you know, some crowd shots. Um, Conan then thanked the fans and then joked with Mar- Maricela Pena that it was about time that they honored him, that he had been waiting all this time. Um, Jesus Zuniga then um, told them that there was a little bit more of a surprise to come. And out came, um, they actually pay, played the, the Santana song that is the one that they used for um, La Familia de Tijuana for the longest time, for decades. Um, and out came Damien 666, Bestia 666, The Mecca Wolf, Taya, Ray Horace, and Ray Phoenix. Um, they came out and gave um, Conan an award. A lot of fans were chanting for Nicho to show up. A few were chanting for Halloween. Conan named several who helped him out and praised Maricela Pena. Among the people that he actually thanked were, um, of course, Antonio Pena, Paco Alonso, Rey Mysterio Sr. Um, there were a lot of people that he thanked. Um, I was really surprised that he um, thanked. I wasn't surprised that he thanked Paco Alonso just because, um, uh, it, you know, it's in AAA. I think the fact that you wouldn't hear this. You would never hear that in, um, in on a CMLL show, but you would hear it on a AAA show. The closest thing we've had to CMLL kind of recognizing that AAA exists was the fact that they had La Yedra. They allowed La Yedra to be um, in the ring with Sangre Chicana last year when they honored him. Um, but other than that, they they very rarely, um, and they didn't even acknowledge her. They just acknowledged her as, as one, um, one of um, Sangre Chicana's daughters, um, kind of just like put her in the group. Um, and the fact that, you know, that's something that if you're going to want to do something to honor somebody on a, on a CMLL show, you're just going to have to accept their rules of not, um, not wanting to recognize. Do you sometimes have some of the guys, um, when they do appearances on CMLL and Forma, guys who worked in AAA, they'll sometimes let it slip. Um, that they when they're talking about something about AAA, they'll talk about the other company, but sometimes guys will like totally forget and just mention AAA and then quickly catch themselves and say, well, the other company. Um, but I thought that was kind of a cool thing to see. After the after Conan was honored, um, that follow that what followed was one of the Ruleta de la Muerte semifinal matches as Blue Demon Jr. beat Pentagon Jr. Blue Demon Jr. won with the Canadian Destroyer through a table. Um, he actually used a hammer to hurt Penta while on the top rope and then did the, the, the Canadian Destroyer through the table. Um, with the loss, Pentagon Jr. advanced to the final. Um, I thought it was cool. Uh, Pentagon Jr., the cool thing to begin with for the Ruleta de la Muerte matches was that they did um, cool videos for every single one of them. They told you a little bit about their, their careers, the history about, uh, of them, um, some of their uh, wins and loss, big matches, um, titles they've won, masks they won, hair matches they've won, um, memorable moments. I thought that was really cool that they did that. Um, they did that with both of these guys, with all four of them. Another thing that happened was um, Pentagon Jr. in his entrance. He had um, rapper Muelas de Gallo accompany him and rap while he came in. I know who that guy is mostly because he does a podcast uh, about Lucha Libre, which is actually pretty good. Um, actually, really good. Uh, where he they, they get a lot of guests on, and it's a, a really entertaining um, podcast. And he's a big fan, um, Lucha fan, so it was kind of cool to see that that he did that. The match itself was really good. I would say it's um it's up it was up to, I probably would put it behind the the Viano I would say I would say it was up there. I would say that along with the Viano 4 Psycho Clown and the five-way match were probably the, were were kind of all grouped together as a, as 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 good to great matches. I don't think any of the matches on this show topped the LA Park Viano 4 match. I think that's the one thing that the Montreal show had. I don't think any of these matches matched the 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 energy 
that was in that match between Viano Four and LA Park, just because, um, you know, the way it started, the fact, I'll, we'll get into more detail about that because obviously Viano Four couldn't start that way, but um, these matches were really good. Um, one thing I wanted to say is like, for the longest time, Blue Demon Jr. and a lot of us, it's kind of interesting because you have a lot of fans who don't really follow a lot of, they're more casual Lucha Libre fans. So to them, when they see Blue Demon Jr., they think of him as a legend because they kind of group him and his and Blue Demon, the original um, together and they don't realize that this guy has his own different legacy his own career and isn't quite he is not blue demon like the career they don't have anywhere near the level career and also he doesn't have the he never had the skill that blue demon had blue demon jr for the most part i would say his early career really nothing that memorable other than you know him having the blue demon name and i would say maybe like Teaming up with El Hijo del Santo and then feuding with him, uh, maybe the the his matches with Blue Panther. Uh, there's been a few things that he's done early in his career that I would say were good, but I would say for the most part he was just another you know luchador like really like if he didn't he didn't have the Blue Demon name, um, he was very close to being in that group of like Hijo del Solitario and guys like that that were kind of like you know juniors that weren't quite the level of the, of the person that that they followed. But for whatever reason, once he reached a certain age, getting older, um, past 50, he has had a, a, a like, for whatever reason, a career resurgence. I mean, and I don't know if it's a resurgence, but a, I think it kind of worked the fact that he's not a technical anymore. He's a, more of a Rudo, and he doesn't do a lot of, he's more of a, a, a slower, brawling type of wrestler. It has really worked for him. It's it, it he's he's so much better as a wrestler now than he was when he was younger. Some wrestlers, they, you know, and, and that's the thing. Like if you look at um, a lot of pro wrestling, if you're following wrestlers' careers, a lot of them kind of blossom at a certain stage. Like some guys are just natural and they get it right away, and, and they're great from the moment they get it. Step into the ring at you know whatever age, 18, 20, 21, 25. They're just great at the moment they're in there. But then other guys, it takes a couple of years. Maybe they might have been like a, in wrestling for a, ten years, and suddenly it just clicks, and they're really good. Um, they just it just happens, and I think that's happening with Blue Demon Jr., where he's kind of figured out a formula of what his type of match is going to be, and what he wants to do in a match. And you know, it's not even like a thing where it's like, oh, he's not going to like cooperate with the guy, um, because he really let like him and Penta really had um, some really good um, moments in that match. And, you know, he's figured out the whole thing about the gimmick with the hammer and stuff like that. I think that's really helped him. Um, so I think when people talk about luchadors really not reaching, they don't peak until they're 50. <laughs> there might be a, there might be a, some, there might be some, a, a valid case for that. I think it'd be kind of interesting to kind of look at guys, um, luchadors that kind of um, didn't do too much prior to being 40 years old. I would say probably 40, 45 years old. And then look at them post 40, 45 years old and see what they did afterwards. Because a lot, there's a lot of guys who maybe like kind of like that was kind of like the time where their career starting to, you know, dwindle and they're just more just living off their name. And then there's other guys who kind of just pick up the pace and get really good or they're just more like kind of viewed at a different level. And I think that's happening with Blue Demon Jr. I thought that I thought it was kind of cool that at the end, they really kind of built up the fact that Blue Demon Jr. supposedly helped pentagon jr early in his career uh, penta said that he gave him a lot of advice and you know was very willing to help with him um so at the end like um blue demon jr after he like 
pretty much beat him in a pretty rudo sort of way um, afterwards you could see him kind of like talking to um penta and then like calling for help for the for what he said was his friend and um i thought that was a cool um way to end the match and i thought that was a really good um really good match highly recommend watching this match like i said th this was a this was a really strong show show after after that match we had matt hardy uh, they aired a video of matt hardy apologizing for jeff hardy not being able to wrestle on triple mania um, he then in introduced Johnny Caballero as Johnny Hardy, who who ended up doing some Jeff, some of Jeff's dancing during the the video. Matt then gave Johnny a gift from Jeff, which was um the arm sleeve, and then um, Johnny then suggested that they should team in the U.S. as well. Uh, Matt kind of didn't seem that interested in that. He kind of just told him that it was more of a a one-time thing for um, Triple Mania and suggested maybe in Mexico, but um, I don't think he was that interested in teaming with him outside of Mexico. We then get to the next match, which was the mass match between um, Flammer and Chica Tormenta. Um, they did mention that this was a no DQ match. Um, Flammer ended up beating Chica Tormenta. Um, both women were accompanied by their husbands. Um, Chica Tormenta's husband, Reiko, and Flammer's husband, the Tiger, were um, their seconds. And they also got very much involved, uh, which I think actually helped the match. The fact that they got involved. At one point early in the match, they got involved. And um, the women actually stopped them and started like telling them to get out of the ring, that they shouldn't interfere, that it was their match, that they wanted to decide it. And they kept going on. They kept The, the match continued, and they didn't get involved until um, the Vipers came out and actually started helping... Um, helping Chica Tormenta. I think it was T Toxin at Abismo Negro Jr. that went in to help Chica Tormenta. And then Maravilla and La Yedra, the, the members of Las Toxicas, came out and helped their partner Flammer. Then the man, then the husbands finally got back involved. Um, so everybody was getting involved, including the referees. So you actually had all this involvement throughout. Lots of, it, lots of um, interference. But in the end, Flammer ended up beating Chica Tormenta Good match. I thought this was a really good match. Uh, Flammer was really good. Um, she did this um, Super Frankensteiner, and I think she that's when she went for the pin. But um, the referee, I think it was Marty uh, Marty Elias that was counting, and I think he counted. He was counting three, but then um, um, I guess he noticed Chica Tormenta's shoulder was up, so he stopped the count. And it, it kind of seemed like from the reaction of the uh, of the Tiger and Flammer. It kind of seemed like they maybe they thought there was something up with uh, what was going on, uh, which reminds me every time I see something like that where maybe there's a brief second where maybe it's a botch or something or a, a, a mistimed spot or something that that uh, whenever everybody would talk about what if what if so and so double crosses somebody during a mass match and um, that, that crossed my mind briefly during that. But obviously they ended up just going on and and Lady Flammer ended up. Flammer ended up beating um, um, Chica Tormenta. Good match. Um, after the match, uh, Red Flammer, who is um, Fl Flammer's dad, who is a, a long-time wrestler in Monterey, came out along with her, their um, t the Tiger and, and Flammer's um, son, little son. Um, they all came out to, congrat to celebrate with um, Flammer. Chica Tormenta then unmasked as Cristina Arspieta, Ramirez, 16 years a pro wrestler from Guadalajara. She took off her mask and um, at first she, she, she told 
Flammer that the the feud she might have won the battle, but the feud was still on, the war was still going on, and so I guess we're still gonna get a few more um, matchups between these two. Um, I came up with something creative for I, I, late after after I get done with this, I'm gonna go through the my idea for um, Triple Mania 30 in Mexico City. I have a couple of ideas that maybe um, um, AAA might some stuff that they could actually do. I don't know if they would do it, but it'd be kind of cool maybe. If, and if they don't do it at, at um, Triple Mania, it's something they could do on a, on another show. This this idea that I have for, the, for the, what their feud is. And you could bring in some other people because it makes a little more sense. To be fair also, Triple A moves so quickly that it's possible that by the time um, this idea comes out, <laughs> it there might be some changes to whoever's like involved in the matches, so it doesn't it wouldn't matter. But um, like I said, I thought this was a good match, very entertaining. Um, Flammer is really good. Chica Tormenta's good as really good as well. Triple A's women's division is it has a lot of strong talent. Um, I don't know if there I don't know if there's a way to like I think the best way they could use them is the way they're using them. But at the same time, I also think. What also hurt them in the past was the whole, um, they constantly had Hijo Tirantes involved in so many of the things that it kind of took away from the women. And I think now it's kind of starting to, like, even though he still gets involved, they're still, they're finding a way where, hey, like, we could put them in these mixed tags. We could put them in these other matches. Um, it doesn't just have to be singles matches. And now you're kind of getting a little bit more attention for the for the women's division, which I think is a lot stronger than it has been in the past. The sixth match on the show was Psycho Clown beating Viano 4 in the Ruleta de la Muerte semifinal. Um, Psycho Clown got the win after using an air raid crash onto Thumbtacks. Viano 4, with the loss, advances to the mass final on October 15th in Mexico City against Pentagon Jr. Uh, one of the things I thought was funny was um, uh, Carlos Cabrera was, uh, you could tell he kind of got the wrong information because he was getting uh, the wrong Brasso, who was the father of Psycho Clown, he accidentally said it was Brasso de Oro when it's actually Brasso de Plata, who's Psycho Clown's um, dad. Um, he also dedicated the match to him. I thought during this match, there was this really cool inter um, section where Hugo Savin Savinovich starts talking about how he watched once uh, he used to watch wrestling from the Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles, California, and he remembers watching Ray Mendoza wrestle. And then he also talks about how, um, I think at one point, Psycho Clown uses a DDT. And then he talks about how Black Gordman had invented that move and talked about it, calling it calling it the Diamond Twist or the, I think he called it the Linda or something like that. Um, but he starts talking about the, the Red Devils, the tag team of Black Gordman and the Great Goliath. I thought that was a really good um, moment within the announcers where they're just talking about some old stuff. And Carlos Cabrera then came back and started talking about um, the first Triple Mania, talking about Conan versus Yankaras and bringing up Jake Roberts because obviously he's the one who made the, the DDT famous. I thought that was probably, like to me, because the the, the, the announcing for, um, for AAA very much depends on Jose Manuel Guillen because he's the only one that really keeps up with everybody on the roster, knows who everybody is, not only within AAA, but he because he... Because of Mas Lucha, he pretty much knows all these other wrestlers that they bring in. He's familiar with them. He knows he's familiar with the guys that worked CMLL. So he's already well more prepared than most people who are going to call um, AAA shows. But Hugo Savinovich and, and Carlos Cabrera in this moment, I kind of thought, okay, now it's not just you know the 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 Hugo Savinovich um, gimmicky stuff where he's you know he's yelling stuff out. I thought this was really cool that they were able to bring that in. And um, for somebody who's a a big fan of um, just wrestling 
over the you know not just from present day but the past i really marked out for that stuff and i thought they did a great job calling you know for the most throughout the show i thought they did a great job and and it kind of i think it also i think that one picture of hugo savinovich um there was a there was a picture that was um making the rounds on social media um there was like this white stain on the announcer's um table and a lot of people were made this big thing where it kind of looked like it might have been um, cocaine. So it became this whole thing because of um, obviously there's a history for Hugo um, dealing with that situation with, with substance abuse and stuff like that. And um, they made this big deal about that. And the other the I think one of the, the English commentators um, tweeted out a, a picture about it like relax, it's paint. And because he took not only what did he show that, but he showed that there was more like there was more of that stuff throughout the on the table. There was like paint. I guess they didn't cover up the table while they were painting the 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 little um, the, the the room. Um, but I thought that was um, funny that they 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 focused so much on that when you know the reality was that um, they did a really solid job on calling the the show itself really fun. I think we get lost on the whole atanga and all that stuff, the screaming. Um, but Hugo did a really solid job. I really enjoyed his um, commentary on the show. And this match between Psycho Clown and Viano 4 was a war. Um, the one thing, like I said earlier when I was saying that, the one big difference between this match, between Psycho Clown and Viano 4 and, uh, and Viano 4 and Alley Park was um, when the Alley Park-Viano 4 match happened, um, I really dug the very start of it where um, Viano 4 was like doing a stance where he was ready for battle. You know, he was ready to go to war. So he stood at the entrance getting ready for Alley Park. And that was like what they were able to do. Whereas in this match, um, they weren't able to do that quickly. They still did it like a little bit. They, they still brawled right away. But Viano 4 couldn't really step out and like like kind of like prepare on the entrance ramp because um, Psycho Clown came out with his two um, sons um, who were dressed as him and they were doing a, they were dancing with him and I thought it was funny because um, one of the little boys was uh, was really into the music and doing a lot of like very flashy um, you could tell he's the extrovert of the brothers and the other one was a little bit more laid back very quiet um, so you couldn't get Viano Ford to go out there and like attack him um, although I'm guessing uh, the fact that Psycho Clown's sons are around wrestling even at that age um, they and Nero Casas has talked about the the kids. Those are the those are Nero Casas' grandchildren. Uh, for those who don't aren't familiar with the whole Psycho Clown uh, family history, uh, Psycho Clown's wife is Nero Casas' daughter, and you'll see those kids sometimes hanging out with Nero Casas, and sometimes you'll see them hanging out with Psycho Clown uh, so at shows. And so I I think those kids are a little bit well prepared for that. For you know, I would be shocked if they already they already know how to take bumps from wrestlers. But I thought that was a cool um, like little entrance. But then the match itself, I think I think the one difference was that I think Ali Park and Viano Ford kind of felt like they had a little bit more time and there was a little bit more of a grudge. Um, but these two actually have a history because of obviously the the Alvarado Brasos and Vianos have had this like ongoing war since the mid 80s so and they've constantly always bring it up and I, you know the funny thing is that they have this um in ring feud but in real life they're probably like the 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 they're, those families get probably get along better than most um there there's been stories of how they when they when they they talk about the you know that they're you know when they would have the 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 guys talk about somebody when they passed away they would always talk about oh yeah we used to hang out we knew all this stuff like 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 when you hear about the alvarado family uh, one of the things that you i always get a kick out of um whenever i i do research on on luchadors is that you 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 find out that the that the alvarado family is one of the um, families that actually like houses 
used to house a lot of rustlers that would travel and work in Mexico City. So you would have a lot of rustlers in living, staying with them um, while they're, they were rustling in the city. And then, you know, obviously they when they would leave, they'd come back and they'd have a place to stay. So you have a lot of guys that, and I'm pretty sure the Vianos probably <laughs> stayed there a few days, a few times with the Alvarados. It's, it's one of those... Um, the family interactions are, are always cool, like not just in the ring, but out of the ring, um, because you hear a lot of these great stories about how, yeah, I grew up. Um, actually, one of the stories is um, I remember there was a, I can't remember what wrestler it was. It might have been Black Man. One of the wrestlers who passed away recently, I think it might have been Black Man, who was talking about how when he first showed up to train in Mexico City and he, um, uh, when he showed up in the ring were um, very young uh, members of the Alvarado family and the Vianos. And um, so you always had this story about how, you know, they've always been tied together. I think it goes back to the 70s that these guys have been very early 70s. Um, so because I think even the fathers knew each other and got along. Um, obviously, Charito Cruz wasn't the, the big star that Ray Mendoza was. But still, you know, they worked the Mexico City and they crossed paths, probably had numerous uh, family dinners together. Um, so that was always cool to me to like just... Um, hear all that, all those stories. But um, this match was amazing. Wild brawl. Both men bled um, very early on. I thought it was kind of cool. Like at one point, um, Psycho Clowns, the the his mask has a has a mohawk, and the mohawk just flew off. And so all of a sudden, you just have the the top of it, and and it looks really. Um, it, it was it was kind of funny to see no mohawk on, on Psycho Clown. Um, but yeah, they. They they brought in the psycho clown brought in the thumbtacks and pretty much much like Pagano he ended up landing on them early on. Um, I thought it was kind of cool. There was a one sequence where he kind of slapped at the at the mat without and, and did a spot where he kind of forgot that the thumbtacks were on. And so when he slapped on the mat, he had he got thumbtacks and was like dealing with that. Um, but I thought that was a I thought it was a, a really good match. So now we get Viano four versus Penta. That's the one match we know for sure it's going to happen at the final Triple Mania. Um, this year uh, so that's that should be another war just because um, Viano 4 has been on a roll for whatever reason I, I the Vianos have been between Viano 3 Viano 4 and Viano 5 um, their big runs in preparing to drop their mask have been outstanding um, I don't think anything tops Viano 3 um, I think if you're living in the moment people are going to say the Viano 4 what's going on with Viano 4 being in the ruleta but I think you forget that Viano 3, it, not only was it, it wasn't just like him going through an, a tournament to reach Atlantis. It was actually like a, a year-long um, feud, you know, that had was on television. They had skits. They had um, trios matches. They had, they had the tag match. Um, they had a singles match that was that was televised. They had a lot of buildup to their their final big mass match. Um, so I think that, and then the Viano 5 one with um, him beating Blue, you know, the the winning Blue Panther's mask by surprise, which was a big shocker, and then eventually dropping it um, to his mask to um, Ultimo Girl was also kind of a, a very strong build to that as well. This one probably, I would say uh, of the mask buildups, I think this would probably be my second favorite of the, of the three brothers, but they've all been very solid. And then we get to the main event, which is um, which was Dragon Lee and Drillistico beating Johnny Caballero and Matt Hardy. Um, before the match, well, obviously they aired the vignette earlier in the match where he introduced Johnny um, John, Johnny Caballero's Johnny Hardy, which they introduced him as that as well during the match. Um, there was a lot of stalling in this match early on, which was kind of annoying me. Um, that went a little bit too long. But then once the match went went started going, it was really good. Um, at one point, Dragon Lee hit a tope 
onto um, Johnny Caballero. Um, that sent he was sitting on the guardrail and he sent them into the crowd, which I thought was really cool. They missed the spot. Um, they almost missed the camera crew. Almost missed the dive that Drillistico did into um, into the crowd onto Matt, um, Johnny, and, and Dragon Lee. Um, but they did catch it as he fell in. But you know, I think they missed the part where he was actually like climbing up and doing all the you know actually doing the dive. They just caught it like as he's falling in. I think that was the one the flaw in that at that in that in that spot. Um, I thought the the match itself was pretty good. I'm not a big drillistical fan, but I think the fact that I think he's, um, you know, he went from one, you know, being in one um, situation where he was in a good tag team with um, Caristico, Myst- now Mystico, and now he's teaming up with his brother Dragon Lee. I think he's he's pretty much about at the same level as he was. Dragon Lee, I don't know, like I think he has potential to be a, a, a big single star, but you know, maybe he's he's content. He's he's kind of joining that group of um, luchadors that I said. In previous podcasts, that kind of seem like they, they have this. Um, there's this bit of them wanting to team up with a family member because they see it as such a cool thing. Uh, we saw it with Tejano Jr. when he left AAA, and he said he wanted to team up more, more with his brother, um, Supernova. Uh, we're seeing it now in CMLL with um, Sobrano Jr. and um, Euphoria. Sobrano Jr. wanting to team up with his father, uh, which we'll talk about in the next podcast. I'm going to do, I'm basically just doing a podcast focusing on AAA, on AAA this week. And then following week, we'll do, following show will be um, more CMLL related. And then we'll just start doing, um, you know, because I, I, I'm kind of thinking that might make more sense just because of how um, shows are airing nowadays or when I actually get to watch them. I think, I thought this was a really good match. Horrible finish. Um, I thought the finish really killed it. So I, I think this match was kind of reaching very good, really good. I didn't think it was great. I just think, like, if you're going to get star ratings, maybe like a four star or like four star, and then the finish kind of dropped it down to three, <laughs> three and a half stars or three and a quarter stars or three stars. Um, if you're in two stars, I would say it, it took it from being really good to just being good to me because the finish, basically, um, they um, Johnny ended up, uh, Matt Hardy bu- bumped into John, Johnny Hardy um, as he was um, being thrown into the ropes, and John Johnny Caballero got mad about it. And right when Matt Hardy was gonna, I think was gonna do go for a twist of fate, Johnny Caballero ran in and attacked him, and then um, took out Matt Hardy. So then that allowed um, um, the the Hermanos Lee Dragon Lee and Drillistico to um, get the pin on him. Basically, Dragon Lee was covering Matt Hardy. This is where it looks bad. Dragon Lee goes for the pin on Matt Hardy, and then Drillistico climbs the ropes. Dragon Lee looks over and sees Drillistico climbing the ropes and doesn't move out of the way. And Drillistico kind of like looked like he was turning and didn't know what to do. So then Drillistico just dove onto Dragon Lee for the pin. So he dove onto Dragon Lee, who's basically on top of Matt Hardy, and then Dr- so Drillistico lands on him, and then they go for the pin on on Matt, uh, Matt Hardy to get the win. Really weird uh, finish. Um, I thought that was like a, like, a, like a dumb thing. Like you would thought, you would have thought Drag- Dragon Lee would have moved out of the way and let Drillistico do the dive. Or Drillistico says, you know, gets off the, off the, off the corner and just goes over and, and joins in on pinning Matt Hardy. Um, just a weird, it looked weird. Um, after the match, Johnny Caballero attacked um, the Dragon Lee and Drillistico. Uh, Matt Hardy then made the save. And then shook hands with Los Hermanos Lee. Um, that was it. That was the end of the show. Um, I thought this was a, g- a great show. The first hour and a half, 
you could probably skip, but once you get past that, about what is it? About three hours of really good wrestling on this show. There's obviously that segment where um, they do the the Conan, um, they honor Conan, and then the Taya um, interview segment, promo segment, which you know I think that was about a 10, 15 minute break. Which actually I thought that was good as well, but but for the most part you got a lot of action in the, on this show, and I thought it was great. To me, the best match on the show was probably um, a three way tie between the the five way match for the AAA Latin America and then the Cruiserweight title and the two Ruleta de la Muerte semifinal matches. Um, I thought those were all really good. I thought the show had a lot of the production was really good. I think other than the mic not not miking the crowd, that being the bad part, everything else I thought was really good. Um, I wish they would have mic'd the crowd. Uh, don't know why they didn't. They they don't do that. But um, yeah, I, I think that was like. But the the video packages were great. Like I said, this was a really fun show. Um, highly recommend it. And now we have one match that we know is happening at Triple Mania 30th, which is Chapter Three in Mexico City on October 15th um, later this year. Of course, the match we know. Is happening is Pentagon Jr. versus Viano 4 in a Ruleta de la Muerte final mask versus mask match. I'm guessing Viano 4 is going to be the one that loses. This would actually be the big, you know, because Pentagon Jr., as he said in interviews, he doesn't have that big defining mask or hair match. And I think this would be it. This would be a huge mask win just because of the way Viano 4 has like been performing in this in this tournament. Um, and the fact that he also has a, a very strong bat. Um, past as part of the Viano trio and then obviously his time in WCW working in in every single promotion in the in, in Mexico um, so he does have a, a a very solid career I think that's probably going to be one of the bigger mass matches um, it's interesting this year we're going to have a lot of interesting big mass matches that one we had the Flammer Chica Tormenta mass match and then we're getting the the CMLL one which Hopefully, will be um, Stuka, Jun- Stuka Jr. versus Atlantis Jr. It's kind of funny because people were saying that they don't think there's going to be CML's um, mass match can match uh, what Pentagon Jr. versus Viano 4 could be. Um, I would disagree just because I think, for the most part, if there's some emotion, and I think like between Stuka Jr. and Atlantis Jr., there would be a lot enough emotion just because, and there's a certain way where they could actually build it up where it can actually be, and it's been built up very strongly, but um, the one big drawback for CML is that they're kind of like setting up other stuff, and um, there's always that concern that they might not even uh, pull go through with that match. It might end up being like a cage match or something, but um, I could see that if it's Stuka Jr. versus Atlantis Jr., I could see that being a very big mass match. Uh, maybe not as big as um, Pentagon Jr. finally winning his big mass match, but it would still be up there. It'd be it'd be a, a top mass match. Um, but uh, besides Pentagon Jr. Viano 4, we really don't know what else is going to happen at um, Triple Mania 30th in Mexico City. We're still a few months away, and they're already announcing uh, matches for Verano Escandalo, which is going to happen in, in August. But just guessing... Just off the top of my head, I just thought maybe like what would be in on a on a Triple Mania 30th in in Mexico City. Obviously, one of the things that came out of during this um, show was um, Taya challenging Flammer, um, the winner of the the mass match to to a title match, willing to defend the title against the 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 winner of the mass match. So we might get Taya versus Flammer, but then she also challenged Thunder Rosa. I would think Taya versus Flammer might be something that they might do on a TV taping or on a Verano de Scandalo. I could see Taya versus Thunder Rosa maybe happening at the Mexico City show. That could be a possibility. Uh, also, I would assume 
Pentaca and Junior Viano 4 would probably not be the main event of the of Triple Mania. I would think if they could get an AEW name for that show, like a big star, I could see whoever they bring in being in the main event. Um, be it a tag match or a trios match or a or a singles match, I think that would be the main event more likely. Um, and initially, in my in my thought process was that maybe you don't you still go with Pentagon Junior versus Viano Four as a main event. But I also think you have so many people that are watching Triple Manias that are not normally watching Triple A shows. There's a slight well, I mean, to be fair, Pentagon Junior is an AEW guy also, so you could probably go with that as the main event. Now that I think about it, um, but. Like, I would think you would want, like, say if they could get Kenny Omega. If Kenny Omega's healthy and he comes in for that show, and you do Kenny Omega versus Elo Viking, or you do Kenny Omega versus Elo Viking on Phoenix, or something like that, a three-way or something, or a, a trios match, or something that's involving all of those guys, or a six-man tag, or whatever. Um, that, would to me, would be the main event, just because there's there's so much more of a stronger following for that Kenny Omega AEW guys in the match. Then say Penta versus Viano Four, which you know people would be like, yeah, I don't know about that. But you know, to be fair, I I wouldn't be shocked if there's actually enough of an entrance for the Pentagon Junior Viano Four match, just because Pentagon Junior is an AEW guy who's actually a a pretty big star, and then Viano Four does have the past. Plus, there's a lot of American fans who remember him from WCW, so you might actually get that as well as a, as a, as an added attraction. We're obviously going to get Copa Triple Mania on on the the next show as well. Um, I could see them doing a Pagano versus Seber hair match. Uh, another match that I think would be interesting. And I, and I'm basing this off of the, the women's mass match early on, on triple on the Tijuana show. Um, why not do a mixed tag match uh, where you have couples, actual couples within wrestling. So you could have Taya, uh, you could have like, uh, well, she could have Taya and Johnny Caballero in, in there as well. But let's say Tay Conti and Sammy Guevara t- defend the AAA mix tag titles against Flammer and the Tiger and Chica Tormenta and Reiko. You know, Reiko, who's um, not part of AAA, but he's married to Chica Tormenta. And he's an independent guy. You could bring him in for, for an appearance. Uh, why not? I mean, that would be fun. And then obviously you would probably have another multi-person match where you could actually have some of the, highlight some of the, the top names you have in, in AAA's roster. But either way, I think they've, I think that's the one thing I've noticed with AAA in the this year is that they've kind of been able to come up with some creative matches. Um, they might not be flowing off of TV onto these um, big shows, um, but you know, this Tijuana show was really good. I thought this was an excellent show, and um, I could see that being the case with the Mexico City sh- City show. I could also see maybe something doing them doing something with um, um, Dinamitas versus Rayo. Remember they did? They were involved in the in one in the roulette match that Rio was part of. Maybe they do something with Rio. Rio being a big star in in Arena Mexico for so many years, for so many decades. Maybe they and NGD also being a big um, name in um, in that city as well. Maybe they do something like that as the as another match on that show. Um, that could be something. Although I don't know if you would want. I don't know. Maybe you do Rio teaming up with like past win some of the winners of the of the roulette. Maybe he teams up with Psycho and. Um, and Blue Demon Jr. versus NGD, or not, not even um, maybe Psycho and um, LA Park, or you know maybe Ultimo Dragon if you want to do that. Um, but you have to have somebody that can work, so you'd have to have Psycho Clown or somebody like that that can actually hold his own against that the the NGD group. Um, but that would be fun. I think Triple they've done. I think Triple A's done pretty well with the Triple Mania shows. Um, if you're if you're gonna go nitpick, the one thing like I said is always the audience not being properly mic'd. I think that's the one negative 
And, you know, really, if that's your only negative, that's actually like you're doing a pretty good job. This, this last show was really good, and the previous one was good as well. Um, that's it for this week. Be sure to check out LuchaWorld.com for all the latest news in Lucha Libre. For classic wrestling reviews, check out RetroWrestling.com. Also check out the Retro Wrestling YouTube channel for podcasts, wrestling reviews. And for even more content, check out the Lucha World Patreon at Patreon.com slash Lucha World. Um, thanks again, everyone. Stay safe.